Hey, what's up, dude? First off, you know, as, as I'm sure you're getting a lot right now, congratulations uh, with the Grammy nomination. Thanks so much, man. Are you, uh, are you preparing in any way? You got Grammy parties or anything like that? Funnily enough, I made a promise a long, long time ago to a really close family friend when I was a little kid. You know, that it's like, if I ever got nominated for a Grammy, I'd bring you as my date. So like 15 years later, I'm, I'm taking that. I'm living up to my word. That's so incredible. I'm bringing my childhood, my best childhood friend's mom as my date. Who gets to actually fulfill that? I mean, who gets I, that opportunity? I don't know. Maybe not a lot of people, but it, it's a pretty cool. That, that to me is the thing that I'm most excited about. Wow, that is, that, that's very cool. I, I mean, the, the best thing is I think the, like, the nomination is enough like to be a grammy nominated mm -hmm. like i never even thought that that would happen you know so we've we've completely ruled out winning until i was talking to someone yesterday and they said well you have a one in five chance and i was like okay yeah you're right they're like if someone told me i had a one in five chance of being hit by a bus tomorrow i wouldn't go outside so i'd say your odds are you know pretty good i was like that's an interesting way of looking at that it is this is a bit more positive than that but yeah, and it gets, goes to show how strong this album "Days Gone By" is. I mean, this album is now what? It, it's now calendar years wide. It's two years old. Almost, I mean, yeah. I think it's going on a year and a half. So it's like this is like we're seriously like you know ringing this thing for all it's got. That's, I mean, the lifespan of this disc is so long. I mean, for you all in the middle of it, I'm sure it's been exciting. But have you gotten to the point where you're ready to move on? You're ready to go to the next thing? Here's the thing. I hear about people like you know all the time who talk about how they fall out of love with their songs and whatever we haven't had that i don't know there's something about like like every we had a lot of fun making the record so there's nothing that um playing the songs and going out and talking about them and doing that it never gets uh, boring or we never feel frustrated but what we are itching to do is like now we just finally moved here and have our studio set up and we're starting to write the next record so that's great that we'll be able to have the creative outlet again. Because when you're on the road, you, you, you have no time to do anything, you know? Right. Um, and, uh, you know, we're just, I think we're really sort of fortunate in the sense that, like, our music has always had this slow burn, which has given us ample time to write follow-up stuff. So now when the next record comes out, because this record has had legs for so long, I don't think it's going to feel like we went away. For, like, you know, for like, you know, some bands are like, oh, they haven't put out an album for three years. What the hell's going on with that band? I think we've kind of been lucky in the sense that the album just keeps picking up steam. But with this one, I mean, it did get the uh, the Never Enough edition, the uh, the re-release. And uh, I want to compliment you to those bonus tracks on there. She Don't Mind and Here We Are. Uh, really great. In fact, I've listened to Here We Are so many times. And I mean, I don't know if there's a story behind it, but it certainly sounds like a battle cry. And maybe yeah. that's because of what's happening around all of us right now that it feels like that. But that's my interpretation anyway. No, it totally is. And it's funny that you mentioned that because those two songs were initially meant to be on the album. It was a 12-track album in our in our mind. Um, and the label said, look, I think 10 for a debut is nice and clean. And we were already pushing the like 60-minute mark on the, on the record. And so they said, how about you just keep these two if we decide to do like a, a re-release? And we were like, all right, great. But, you know, we still envision those two tracks as kind of part of the record and not something that was an afterthought if you know what i mean right so it very they very much go tie in with sort of the themes of the record which a lot of is our kind of battle cries and you know the things that we do is like when we write songs a lot of the times we'll kind of relay maybe a relationship not necessarily to a person but to society or to a thing or to something like that so a lot of our songs kind of have those themes and you get that with a big single too with uh with tearing me up uh which i mean 
I guess that's half the reason why all, all of this has happened. This song is getting so much of attention, which is cool because, you know, in its original form, you're looking at a, what, seven and a half minute song? Yeah. I mean, no one immediately stands up and says, there it is. That's, that's a huge radio single. <laughs> yeah. I love that man. I love like you know then all the bands that we've ever loved like from the Zeppelins to the you know you name it have had songs that are just long ass songs and then they become radio singles and then they play the radio edit and then time passes on and people go you know screw it let's just play the whole seven and a half minute version you know like whatever Um, and I just love that. Is there a story behind the song? Both Tom and I were kind of going through the same thing relationship wise and in a way we were kind of writing about each other's experiences and I think the. The really interesting thing about the relationship between Tom and I as songwriting partners is that, you know, we kind of both do a bit of everything. And a lot of the times we'll bring ideas to the table that are conversations we only have in regards to lyrics, but not in our personal lives. Mm-hmm. You know, so like well, this is not a this would never have been something that we wouldn't have had a drink in a bar and talked about like, oh, here's, you know, this is what's happening in my in my life. But when it comes into the studio, we kind of bring all these ideas and it becomes a very cathartic, almost like therapeutic thing for us. I know the story's been told a lot about how you guys got together and it's a, it's a good story, but I'd be more interested, like, how quick did it actually start working for you guys? Because, I mean, you come from similar backgrounds, but at that moment, it seemed like you were coming from very different versions of it. Like, how quick or long did it take you guys to find that groove of like, oh, this is how our two worlds come together and this is how we write? That's a really awesome question because I think that's what you're saying is exactly kind of like what happened is like it was not an instantaneous thing. And even though because we come from the same place and went to school together, um, we had a lot of similar like, you know, we had a lot of common ground musically. But at the time when we met, we were definitely coming from two very different places. And honestly, it took a year of not putting anything out and literally working every day, 10 hours a day just to kind of form a sound. And we were like going out to these warehouse parties in Brooklyn and listening to this music that, you know, basically became sort of a bedrock of the production sound for Bob Moses. And we like started making friends in that scene, like with these guys, Francis Harris and Anthony Collins, who ran this little label called Scissor and Thread, which we were initially signed to. And we were really inspired by their productions and their and their DJ sets. Um, And we just thought, what if we tried to write songs over this kind of stuff? And that was basically the, the, the starting point. Um, but it had been like a year of experimenting before that. I mean, that's that's amazing that you guys just kept poking at it. I mean, obviously you saw something or you wanted to, to see something uh, w- with this group, but to keep kind of like pushing and pushing without having got there at that point, like that's that says a lot about your, I guess, belief in your... Yeah, we don't give up, dude. And yeah. we knew there was something there. You know, we just had this gut feeling of like, we know it's there. Like we knew a song like Tearing Me Up was there a couple years ago. Like, but we didn't, you, you can't just go, okay, I'm going to do that. You know, you have to, mm-hmm. you have to get there. And for, you know, translating that to the live show, I mean, was that very hard to figure out like how, how this is going to be for live? Um, I think we like to look at it like this. Like I, we, I got some really good advice once that is when you're in the studio, concentrate on making the best record that you can with the technology available and don't worry about how you're going to play it live. Mm-hmm. And that was coming from someone who worked in the eighties, you know, when there the, there was not a huge DJ culture and stuff. And like, you know, people would really kind of scoff at you if, if you, you know, you had the rock band with synthesizers and stuff like that. So I kind of took that advice to heart and was like, you know, let's make a really good record in the studio. And when it comes to playing it live, let's just try and make a really awesome live show. And, um, it had its challenges for sure. But like Tom and I both come from band backgrounds. And so we really understood what makes, what the integral parts of a live band are and what the awesome parts about live electronic music 
from a DJ perspective is. And for us, that's the mixes in between the songs. DJs can create an energy that was never there before from transitioning from one track to the other. So we thought, like, we'd love to keep doing that live, like, have it flow like a DJ set, but keep the integrity of the songs there so that people don't think that, um, you know, we're mashing up or remixing and they're going, how come tearing me up is played with different drums or something, you know, like Mm -hmm. we try and keep it, keep it as close to the original as possible while just maintaining that energy throughout the whole time. And like to do that in rehearsals and plan it out was, was so fun. Well, it obviously seems like it's working for you guys. (laughs) I could say that Uh, the hard work's paid off. You're talking about wanting to get back in the studio. It's probably too early to ask this, but do you guys know what you're looking for the next time around or, you know, whatever you've been working on so far, is it taking shape? I think just the first uh like what we're looking for the first time around just like having lots of fun and uh, trying to write the best possible music that we can at the time you know and that's that's like really all that you can do and everything else is kind of left up to the the it's out of your control yeah the songwriting gods <laughs> yeah exactly you know you just kind of kind of put an antenna up and hope that something hits you know well i'm looking forward to that and again congratulations on the nomination uh and uh, and have fun at the grammys man Thanks so much, dude. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was really good talking to you. You too. Take care, man. You too. Bye. Bye.